0: Greetings, everyone. Uh, this is Elder Marion Shepherd once again, bringing you another episode of Shepherd's Talk. Again, we do appreciate each and everyone who is listening to our podcast. Again, we would love to hear from you what you're thinking about them. Uh, if you like the topics, if you like uh, what we're saying, even if you don't like what we're saying, just let us know. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, We again, you know, uh, appreciate each of you who've been uh, supporting my organo business. Uh, Marion Shepherd. all small case letters, dot my organo gold. Again, we have uh, coffees, teas, hot cocoa. Uh, We got soaps, uh, all kinds of stuff, vitamins, detox, energy drinks, all good things that's good for your body. And again, especially with all the COVID thing going again. We're not making any health claims. We don't make any health claims. But anything that can help boost your immune system, uh, I believe you should give it a try. And with the Ganoderma Lucidum, that is our product, uh, having that in your body will be uh, good for you helping to keep your immune system built up, especially with all these things that are going on. Again, we don't promote this as a cure-all, and we don't say this is something that we're going to promise you that you're going to drink this, and it's going to cure anything that you have going on, but again, it's about what, do you, what good things are you putting in your body, and so we do appreciate you for uh, those of you that have, can, and will support us uh, with our ghetto business. Uh, we will certainly appreciate it. Again, we do have our book, My Thoughts and Dreams. A book that I published last year in 2019. It's a poetry book. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like poetry. They like rap. I mean, I guess I could rap some of my poems, but they're not raps. Uh, one is, you know, I used to call my my rap name used to be Sweet Man Ship. So that was a Not even a get-off-the-ground career, but everybody had a rap handle back then. Uh, We're going to be doing another poem today from my book, My Thoughts and Dreams. And kind of one of my favorite subjects. Uh, You know, I'm a guy who loves women. And again, I've always said I've loved the full-figured women. Uh, I think they're beautiful. I think they're... Gorgeous, I think they're some of the most sexiest women in the world, and uh, I believe society has put a damper on them or tried to shun them out because of their size. Again, I've always believed, like <clears> the <throat> people say, they, they have more to love, and uh, not just a big body, but they have big hearts too. Uh, You know, and again, because they don't look like the little skinny, thin supermodels or uh, what society believes is great, Uh, I think they look amazing. And so we're going to do that today. So, this topic is called Ladies, uh, and that's the topic of the poem. And again, uh, let me tell you a little more about my book before I read the poem. it was on Amazon. It was on BarnesandNoble.com. But uh, like any product, if it does not sell, eventually they have to remove it. And I believe Amazon has removed them. We had, you know, low sales. Barnes and Noble has now removed them. So they still are available at... at Elbrius.com uh, is X L I B R I S dot com, and you can still. This is the publishing company, and you could go there and you can actually purchase a book, and probably be, it's probably a little cheaper than it was on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, again, before we go into our poem today, uh, today is September twelfth. Uh, You know, we just celebrated the anniversary of 9-11 yesterday, and I just want to share that, Uh, you know, I was originally born in New York, raised in New York for 15 years. Uh, Family moved to South Carolina, and I moved back to New York in 1984, was there for a couple of more years. So New York's my home. I've been by the World Trade Center. I've been up in New York in the city. Uh, Statue of Liberty and um, it was hard uh, even at 9-11 uh, it was hard uh, because I remember being at work I was working at a cable plant in South Carolina and uh, one of my co-workers came and told me um, hey my wife just called and she said uh, somebody hit a plane hit the World Trade Center and I'm like, huh? The Twin Towers? I said, I said the Twin Towers. Somebody actually hit one of them? He said, yeah, a plane. I said, uh, you know, we're both from New York, and I said, um, I said that don't make no sense. Those, you know, those buildings been there for years. They know how to fly over those. Th- They've been flying over those things for years. How could somebody hit one of those buildings? And uh, we was just puzzled. I said, maybe. You know, we thought it was like one of those little small planes. Uh, you know, maybe the pilot lost control or something happened. The engine died. So, you know, we was thinking, and then about about an hour later, he tells me, he says, "Oh my God!" I said, "What?" My wife just called me back. They said another plane hit the other tower. And I looked at him. I said, "I said this ain't no accident." I said, "This was done deliberate." And I. Like I got tell people I listen to talk radio. You know I've been listening to it since the '80s, since you know my bosses got me hooked on it. Um, and there was a, and there was a time, I want to say in 2001, around June, that um, somebody had mentioned they said saying on the radio that Osama bin Laden was saying something about. Uh, something's going to happen or watch what's going to happen something i can't remember it's been so long ago but they mentioned his name and they mentioned he said something big was going to happen and you know then you never heard nothing else about it and so when i heard about the two planes hitting the world trade center my first thought is this is what osama bin laden was talking about and uh and I kept thinking, how come nobody really paid attention to this back then? You know, it was on the radio, but I guess you know, you know, they got more of the intelligence than we have. But I'm guessing nobody ever thought something like this. Um, and I know yesterday, you know, my grandson he was he was hearing about it all day. And people were talking about it, so we actually watched. Um, some of the video I wanted him to understand why we talked about 9/11 so much so on YouTube you can watch the video and of course they had this was after the first plane had hit the tower Brian Gumble was on CBS this morning and he was getting some phone calls from people that was in the area and everybody was trying to figure out what happened nobody knew exactly what happened they knew that it a plane had hit some people thought it was just an explosion. They didn't know and while he was speaking to one lady and she was on her window she was actually able to see out of the window and while he's talking to her and that's when the second plane hit and you know it was on live TV and she saw it everything and I mean it was really hard again to watch and then we watched the videos of when the towers came down and he got to see it. And I have to tell you, you know, we talked about it for a minute, but I had to get up and excuse myself. It got really emotional uh, for me to kind of relive that again. Uh, and again, I think about the way i you know, and listen to someone who was talking about how back then the... You know, after nine eleven people came together. we were all the United States, we was all united and it's kind of hard to see now how uh, some of the world how, how 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 so divided we are again. You know what? I think I'm gonna change this topic. I'm not gonna do ladies today. I'll do that in next next podcast. Uh, I want to talk about this night everything and kind of what our world is going through. Um, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing that, you know, what we're seeing now as to even back then, our world was united. Our United States was united. We, you know, people started being more friendly to one another. They started... Uh, Caring about one another. I mean, we were united, whether it was on T V, it wasn't black, white, it was about Americans, about America, Americans, you know. We were attacked, you know, over three thousand people died initial death. Over three thousand people because of those attacks. And of course you got flight ninety three where the people on the airplane realized what was going on and they fought back and you know and they was able to unfortunately they lost their lives but again you don't know how many lives they saved by you know attacking these hijackers you know I guess they had nothing else to lose they knew they were going to die anyway so they was going to die fighting and of course you know there's one plane that hit the Pentagon but we came out. We were together. We supported our leaders. Our leaders were supporting our country. I mean, President Bush came out and he was talking and everybody was cheering. And even with our sports and our entertainment, you know, we was trying to get back to life. And... uh it was it was it was it was anger but it wasn't at each other there was anger because such a tragedy was lost such iconic buildings were lost such dynamic people were lost and you still hear about the loss and you hear about the suffering people are still having and <clears throat> excuse me Um, and again, you know, we came together, we prayed together, we cried together, we, you know, we laughed together. It was such a, a somber and humbling time because, and it was also kind of an anxious time because we didn't know, um, we just didn't know. Uh, What else was going to happen. We didn't know. Who they were going to attack next. We didn't know any of those things. And. um, So people was kind of anxious. But. Again. We stuck together. We stuck together. We were. A nation united. And if you look at today. Now we're a nation divided. I see so much anger and so much uh, senseless killing. You know, everyone is, you know, we're on such a, such a level till it's scary to go outside. It's scary to go to bed at night for folks. Um, there was a lady on I-85 yesterday here in Charlotte just driving down the road, and, I mean, we don't know all the the details, but somebody in the van pulled up, was driving up next to her, just started shooting in her car. I mean, she was hit one time. Thank God she didn't pass away. She had enough wherewithal to pull off the interstate and pull over to a gas station, and then she called the police, told her she was shot. But it's so scary. Uh people using guns to solve little issues they're using violence i mean you know again growing up in new york i got into a lot of fights it was just it was new york you know you had people that people who wanted to test you you had people who didn't like you for whatever reason some people didn't like you for no reason. They just didn't like you. And they wanted to fight. But you didn't hear about everybody pulling out a gun. No one really went to that. I mean, people, yeah, there were people that had carried guns and was getting shot, But no one has gone to the extreme that we've gone to now. No one has gone to, I mean, we're mad at the world. Uh, again, we I noticed saying with the Black Lives Matter, and they're saying, yeah, you know, it was time for us to be heard. It's time for our voices to be heard. You know, we want respect, but we got to stop. Even in our own neighborhood, we got to stop killing each other. I used to say years ago, uh, if people, if you, if we want to be respected. As a people, if we want to be respected for, not as Martin Luther King said, not the color of our skin, but the content of our character, then we, it has to start in our own backyard. It has to start with us. It has to start with us. We can clean up our neighborhoods. Why don't we? Some people say, well, we don't own the neighborhoods. Okay, why don't we? Black dollar is over a trillion dollar business per year. But we don't use it to support us. We make millionaires because we were millionaires. What does that mean? We make we, we are the ones, we keep saying that the rich get richer. Who do you think's making them richer? We are. I tell people all the time, and they used to laugh at me when I say that. We are some of the richest looking poor people in the world. Something new comes out. Something hip comes out. Something flashy comes out. Guess what? We got to have it. It's on sale. We got to have it. We spend trillions of dollars a year to look rich instead of investing that money so we can become rich. And there's a big divide. We don't want to support black-owned businesses. And I'm not saying don't support other businesses. Because if they're doing a good job, they're doing a good job. Support other businesses. But we... have to come together. We have to come together. 9-11, we came together. And I even think back way before 9-11, back when I was growing up as a kid, people looked out for one another. You know why? Because people really didn't have, not everybody had a whole lot. So get, But guess what? We had neighbors. Let me ask you all a question. How many of y'all really know y'all neighbors? Today, how many of y'all sit down and talk with your neighbors and laugh with your neighbors and spend time with? You? Do you do you even know your neighbors? Do you know the neighbor kids in your neighborhood? I don't think a lot of people do. Not like we used to. We was here in America. We used to be close knit in our neighborhood in Freeport, Long Island, and New in Roosevelt. Trust me, we knew the we knew the neighbors not only next door to us, we knew the neighbors on the block, the whole block. People used to come together. You know what? I when I think back, I miss the little house parties we used to have. You have a party in the basement, at somebody's house, everybody in the neighborhoods coming, y'all having a good time. The grown ups doing what the grown ups doing. The kids would be outside playing. We were doing our thing. Everybody knew everybody. You could go to this person's house, that person's house, and parents would call the parents. Okay, your, your son's over here. Your daughter's here. I, I'm going to send them home before it gets dark. We did stuff like that. Sometimes we would get, you know, we playing so much, it would be after dark. They would actually send their older kids to walk us home to make sure we got home safely. That's what we did back then. We were so connected. Oh God, spring, summertime barbecues, man! Oh man, I don't care who had a barbecue in the neighborhood. They would always make sure that um, they bought a, they bought food for the adults. Let me select like that. You know, the chicken and the ribs and the steak. Those. For the adults. But regardless. They would always get a bunch of hamburgers. And hot dogs and everything else. Because they knew the kids was going to invite. Their kids was going to invite other kids. and we and, But that's what we did. We were so connected. But now we are in a world that's so divided. And when I saw again. The videos of 9-11. And relive that time. And again how we how close we became as as a people and again it like i said it wasn't about skin color it wasn't about black or white it wasn't about asian or or latino or any other you know we was americans we stood together as americans like i said uh i think they they had saturday night live they told them go on do the show people need to laugh you know we need to We can't change what happened. Yes, we're going through, but people need an escape right now. They need something to take their mind off of it. They need something to last because there was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of nervousness. Nobody knew what was going to come next. And, And again, people were closer. People were friendlier back then. I just remember, people were mad. People were mad. Um, A lot of young people said, you know what, they want to go fight. They're going to join the military, you know. That American pride came out and, you know, they kept going. They kept fighting. They kept doing what they needed to do. It was a difficult time. And, I mean, to see, like I said, the image of those towers imploding was just incredible. When you saw that tower and it first started to buckle at the top where it was burning. And then that whole tower just came down. And all those, I mean, that big, big, huge cloud of dust and debris and bodies. And then you... Saw on the, you know, before the towers came down, you saw the people jumping out of the towers. I mean, because of because of the fire, they was from a hundred stories up. And again, you know, these buildings were huge. They were tall, and I mean, you didn't. You saw them before you saw anything in New York, and they were so tall, and to see. How those buildings came up, I remember again after my coworker told me his name was Vernon, and I remember after Vernon told me um about it when when it was lunchtime I first thing I did was just jump in my car and I drove home. I didn't live too far from the job site I was on, and I drove home and I turned on the TV and I looked and i looked and i didn't see the buildings and i didn't know what had happened i really didn't know what happened but i didn't see them i thought maybe the angle was off or something i went back to work and i said i don't see them i said like the top of it's gone or something i said because i had a small tv and the picture was blurry and that night i actually had a uh, I actually had an open house at my kid's school and they had she had it on video and that was the first time when I saw the towers come down. I mean it was it, it was devastating I mean I, I I literally froze in my shoes at that time when I saw the tower come down I literally froze in my shoe um, tried to keep a good face and of course looking at everybody's face and talking to the teachers, and people were forcing a smile. We were trying to smile, but there was, again, such an unrest because, you know, something like that never happened to us. It never happened. Uh, It's devastating. Here it is 19 years later, and like I said, even just watching the videos yesterday of what happened, it's still hurts me on the inside, it still affects me, I still feel that pain, that loss, that wow, and you know, what those people in those towers were suffering through and even the first responders who came rushing in trying to save the people and trying to get everybody out and um, how they lost their lives and their families and uh, I actually had a classmate who was a firefighter, in fact I think it was a couple of classmates that were firefighters, I think one died uh, on 9-11 and another one, he passed away, I think about a year ago due to complications of, from, you know, those buildings had asbestos and stuff in them and all that dust that they were breathing again. It's full of asbestos and all, and he died from cancer from complications from the uh, towers falling. And um, it's hard. It's, it's it's hard, but it's even harder now to see the division that our world has come into. And again, yes, we need our voices heard. Uh, yes. Black Lives Matter, but somebody keeps back to Black Lives Matter to who? You know, because I'm still seeing a lot of black people men, women, and children are being shot and killed. And again it's not all white people and Latino people and Asian people that's killing us, it's us. Um, we got to do better. I mean, uh, it's like our world is just falling apart and everyone is just shooting first and nobody's asking questions later. and <clears throat> again, and even over the years, I've talked to so many people and uh, people are not afraid of jail, you know, they're not afraid of going to jail. Uh, I can do jail time. I mean, it's like, why are we so quick to want to end up in jail? What is this badge of honor for going to jail? You're, you're losing your freedom. You're losing your family because you, you can't be around your family. You're losing watching your children, some of your children, be born or grow up. Uh, you're losing your parents getting sick and dying and you can't be there to help them. That's a hard thing. That's a hard thing to prove that we're macho, that we're men, that we're bad. No one can tell us what to do. And we have children that are growing up without their parents. <clears throat> Either being killed or locked up in prison. <sighs> That's, it's, it's hard to understand why we've let we've allowed society to dictate to us that, you know, in order for us to be strong men or strong women, we got to do jail time. Why can't strong men and strong women be good mothers and fathers to their children? Why can't they teach their kids to get an education? You know, years ago, uh, when I was telling somebody during Barack Obama's years as president, you know, somebody was saying, you know, we can't never get ahead because the man is not going to let the brother man get ahead. And I hadn't heard the word brother man in a long time. I said, but the man's not going to let the brother man get ahead. And I looked and said, um, isn't the man a brother man? I mean, isn't the president a brother? So, why will not the brother man get ahead? I mean, he just proved that we can. We can achieve this goal. There's goals out there we can go for. We can achieve it against all odds. Look how many people voted for this man. So, we can do this. But it seems like, and I even say even back during the... Gangster rap days. Uh, if people was rapping about, you know, when they first started out, they was rapping about fun stuff and this, and then the gangster rap came out, and then some of the people were still doing the fun stuff, you know, still telling their story. What they went through just wasn't so brutal and violence. And then I kept hearing, but oh, they just weak and they soft and they sellouts because it's like if you're not spewing hate. If you're not spewing violence, then you're soft, then you're weak. If you don't want to go out and pop a cap in somebody, you know, that's, that was the thing, you know, I'll pop a cap in your behind. If you, you know, oh, I, I, know I gut you like a fish, if all this thing I mean, it's like in order for us to be strong and powerful as men and women. Um, we got to hurt somebody. And I know even when I started as an electrician, uh, you know, again, construction work is stressful as it is. There's a lot of pressure on the, uh, superintendents and forms and everything to get certain amount done. So when I started, I said, it was like drill sergeant bosses. I mean, it was like, you know, you got to be here X and minus Z. You got to be here before time. You know, we start at 7, but you can't be no later than seven 645. You got to be here because at 7 o'clock, you got to be in your area. You got to have this. You don't take a break. I mean, like I said, they would come at the last minute. You know, we get off at 3.30. They come at 3 o'clock and say, we're working late. And you either work late or you went home and didn't come back until it was time to pick up your last paycheck. It was that time. And I remember, you know, and as time went on, you know, yes, we had, there was a sternness on the job. Again, construction work is stressful, but people were more lenient. You know, you didn't have all this, as much yelling and screaming as we did back in the day. There wasn't so much that was, okay, we're going to still follow the rules, but you know, some of the bosses kind of lightened up a bit. I mean, they were... You know, bosses actually came and sat and talked with you, and you know, after hours or even on our break, and you know, you got to know one another, and you treated one another like adults. You know, you didn't have to come to work. This is not your child. You treated one another as adults, and again, we would get we would get our work done. Took again, we back then we took pride in it. Now people want to fight. Because the boss said something to you. Oh, he can't talk to me that way. No, you have to do your work. Because he caught you screwing around or doing not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And of course, he's going to get mad. They're paying you to do a job. You're off screwing around. I mean, again, God forbid when these cell phones came out. God, Lord. You know, that became another hassle. People want to talk to their boo. People want to talk to their friend. When they're supposed to be working, people want to, you know, they setting up dates for tonight or, you know, uh, me and my girl's having some issues. I'm on the clock, so let me call her and lets me and her argue on the phone while I'm supposed to be working. And, of course, the boss should not be upset with you about that. He can't come over there and yell at you because you're not working because you got an issue on your phone. But you want his time. And so we have again folks who don't want to work. We have folks again who want to play video games. So they don't want to work. You know, you can get ahead, you got to get focused to get ahead. But we're so divided and we want to fight. And it's like if you're trying to get ahead, then uh, you're weak. If you're trying to get an education, you're weak. If you're trying to do better in life, no, you don't have to go and work for it. Take it. You know, there's so much, and I remember even back in, I remember back in, I think it was 1978 in New York, and we had a blackout, and I think the power transport, something something went out for Con Ed, and there was a major blackout in the city. And my dad, we, we were on Long Island, so we actually still had lights. Our, our lights blinked, it flickered, but our power didn't go out where we lived. Uh, some of them in town of Roosevelt, uh, next to us, there were some places where the power was out. And up in the city, the power was out. So I think we were on, a. my parents said we were on like a different uh, grid, so to speak. And my dad was like, oh my God. I said, what's wrong? He said, there's going to be a lot of looting right now. The power's down. That means all the alarm systems are off. People are going to be breaking into the stores. And you see, over the years, uh, anytime something goes wrong or anytime something else, people want to break into stores, burn down buildings. Burn cars, and again, I think I might have. It might have been my YouTube uh, channel that I was on that I was talking about how I remember back in the Rodney King uh, incident, and when people was mad, and yes, we were all very upset, very mad. But then it so, and what did they do? They broke in the buildings. They set fires. The, people got hurt. People that had nothing to do with it. People got hurt. And they was expressing their anger. They was getting tired of this going on. And then you turn around. And I remember, I think it was the Chicago Bulls had won their championship game. They won the um, NBA championship. People was out celebrating in the streets. And that celebration turned into breaking into buildings Rustled up cars, setting cars on fire, turning cars over, just people going crazy. And I think there was a, I want to say it was a college basketball team or uh, I think it was a soccer team uh, that I th- think it was both. They won their championship. People was again out celebrating. The celebration turned into violence. Uh, There was a soccer team, I think, overseas that their team lost the game and they got mad and took to the streets and same thing. So this is like a pattern. And, you know, sometimes we say we express in our anger, but then people are celebrating a victory. Their team just won a championship. They're celebrating the victory and they're burning the neighborhood. You know, and I just wish that we could actually come back together as a people. And when I say a people, American people, um, I wish there wasn't so much division between us because we all can learn from one another. We all should be able to work together with one another. Uh, we all gonna have our differences. You know, we different cultures, different backgrounds. We have our differences, but we still should be able to work together and be who we are. I mean, and respect others' differences. You know, I was, you know, I was glad to know when I grew up, again, growing up in New York, there were so many different cultures that we grew up around. We grew up around. Hispanic people, we grew around Asian people, we grew up around white, we grew up around uh, Lat- I mean Indian people uh, we grew up around all of them and, see, and there were times and you know we would go my friends would invite me over to their house and certain meals that they cooked you know it was different from what my mother cooked you know and but it was good to try you know so, certain things that, you know, we liked, you know, that we ate, and when they came over to our house and ate, it was different. It was different, you know, but, you know, we were, and it was nice to know this culture, nice to under, eat certain foods that, you know, we never would have eaten because we didn't know about it, and knowing certain things about other cultures and Uh, not just food, you know, even, you know, uh, Latino friends, you know, you know, teach us some Spanish words, you know, they were curse words, but, you know, we learned them. (laughs) And, um, you know, we all found out, guess what? They like to play basketball too. They like to play football. They like to play soccer. They They have this game called Tetherball. I don't know if you remember Tetherball when you had the Ball on the pole and, you know, the string on the pole with the ball in the end and you had to hit it. And they loved doing that too, playing handball. I know I'm talking old because, you know, we didn't have tennis rackets back then or rackets, so we played handball. You know, all you needed was a ball and a brick wall and your (laughs) hands. You know, we made up games, you know, stick balls. Everybody couldn't afford a baseball bat but everybody had a broomstick in the house. And sometimes the broom, once the broomstick broke, broom broke, you had a stick. You played stickball. You know, but every culture had their different ways. They had, and again, they had different customs. They had different foods. But we got along. We got along. We would protect one another. If you was my friend, you was my friend. It didn't matter what race you was. We was friends. We was down. And even if somebody black came after one of my friends that was white or Asian or Latino, whatever, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, I stuck up for my friends. And it turned, they stuck up for me. You know, this is what we did. You know, yeah. I mean, back then they people used the N word. Uh, you know, they use the H word, uh, they use the the C word, you know, for the Asian people. Uh, they used this, they was out there, and you know, we heard them, we, you know, yeah, yeah, we said them too. Uh, when we got mad, yeah, we said them too. I mean, we called each other the N word, uh, we heard other people call each other heard white people call each other the H word. We heard, you know, Latino people call each other the S word. We heard, um, you know, Asian people, you you know, it's what we did. But, you know, we, we stuck together. And it's sad that today we don't. It's sad that this world today, I don't know, everybody's got a gun. Everybody needs a gun. We didn't need a gun. I mean, let's say we got into fights. Sometimes we won, sometimes we lost. But we lived to fight again. You know, our parents didn't have to go to the cemetery or to the morgue to identify our bodies. You know, we didn't, you know, sometimes came home one day with a busted lip you know, it hurt, it bled we stopped the bleeding, it swelled, but guess what swelling went down G- why? I was alive, you know nobody pulled out a gun and shot me you know, when I busted somebody else' lip, I knocked somebody's tooth out one time, guess what well it was his baby tooth, so his other tooth grew back it was probably loose anyway but, you know, it's what, you know, but again, we, we stayed friends. We still stay close. You know, we came and we apologized. and Look, man, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, this went too far or whatever. You know, I'm sorry. You okay? You know, we made up. You can't make up when you send a bullet out to do your work. You can't make up when somebody's dead. You can't do it. And I really wish our world would come together. You know, that, you know, 9-11, I don't know why, maybe because of the coronavirus and everybody being quarantined, that it really, really struck me this year, but it really did. Uh, it really, because again, I just remembered how we were, I remember how close we were, how polite people were, you know, afterwards. And again, uh, even before that, let's go back years ago when I was in South Carolina The Hurricane Hugo. And people here in Charlotte know about Hugo that was alive and went through it. It was a devastating time, this huge hurricane. <laughs> it's kinda of funny. I remember when they first saw the the wave coming off of Africa with Hugo and I remember the meteorologist was saying, um, this is a wave's coming out, um we don't think it's gonna be a whole lot, you know, we're not gonna worry about it too much. Uh we think it's gonna turn north and then east and it's gonna go out to sea. And so we really didn't focus on it but all of a sudden this thing started growing and it got a name and okay now this is Tropical Storm Hugo and you know then all of a sudden this thing grew and grew and then this is something we better start keeping an eye on and we started tracking it you know we had cable TV back then so with the weather channel so everybody's watching the weather channel trying to figure out What's going on? And then you know we something. We found out that this storm is going to hit around the Charleston area coming through there. And so at first, people was excited. <laughs> I remember my boss was excited. He kept saying, we need a hurricane. We, we overdue for a hurricane. And um, all of a sudden, we started realizing, OK, this thing's coming our way. Um, we need to start preparing. Only a few people. There was, I mean, I ain't going to say just a few, but in my circle, there was a lot of people who wasn't worried about it because they hadn't been through a hurricane in years. And I remember I had not too long moved from New York, so I remember Hurricane Gloria. And I remember the devastation Gloria did. I remember trees rooted up from sidewalks and trees on houses and power outages, so I knew that this was, uh, and they kept saying at the time it had 115 mile an hour winds, and it was going to increase, and then it got bigger and bigger, and I was telling them, I'm getting out of Dodge, and I was called a coward, I was called chicken, I said, you know what, I'm I'm taking my family. At first, I was going to go to Virginia. But I said, no, this thing's going to turn north. and It's going to head to Virginia anyway. So, I remember it was crazy. Uh, There was a Taco Bell. I kept saying, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? I said, we got to go somewhere. We're not staying in this house. We was in a small house in a town called Somerville, South Carolina. uh, Surrounded by trees on every side. And there were some big trees, and I'm like, uh, we were like one of the smallest houses uh, on this street. That was a one-bedroom house. Uh, I think we had a bedroom with an adjacent bathroom, a living room, and a kitchen. So that was it. That was the house. And we had a front porch and a small back porch. So that was the house, but it was surrounded by trees. And I'm like, no, I am not staying here. So this Taco Bell commercial comes on, and it says Taco Bell has your order. Make a run for the border. I said, "Um, that's it. Going to the border." So I started packing up, got my family. I said, "Um, I'll be back in an hour. Going to work. Uh, let's make sure the kids that we had. We had two kids at the time. My, my oldest, my son, and my oldest daughter. Um, and he was two. She was one." And I remember saying, um, you know, they haven't got to live their lives. They haven't gotten to grow. And, you know, this is my response. I got to protect them. So no matter what people saying about me being a coward because this storm ain't going to be that bad, I'm getting my kids out of Dodge. I'm getting my family out of Dodge. So I went to work and I was late for work because I was up tracking the storm. I remember my boss saying everybody had, had gone out, was securing the job sites. And I get there and my boss was like, whatever you were, whatever lie you was going to tell the superintendent, uh, save it for another time. I said, oh, you know, he was messing around. I said, darn it. I said, it was a good one too. He says, I'm sure it was. <laughs> I said, no. I said, really? I was up all night tracking the storms, uh, seeing what was going to happen and uh you know what we need to do and I said I I can see now it's coming our way so we got I'm getting out of Dodge he said well where you going I said I think I'm going to Virginia I said I was going to Virginia but uh it's going to come up to Virginia I said I think I'm just going to go south of the border and stay there and so we got everything up off the floor and the secretary showed up so my boss said well you've been wanting a hurricane here's one coming and people were planning Hugo parties and all this, that, and the other. And I got, so I got my check, went and cashed my check, uh, got filled up with gas, got some groceries. And I went home, got the family, uh, turned my dogs loose. I said, you know what? I said, y'all got more common sense. And I think y'all can survive better being loose than being chained up under this house. You know, so I I did that, got my family, got up, went to get some, went not get, get on, uh, it was I 26 then. I 26 was a parking lot coming towards Columbia because now everybody realized this storm was coming and they got out of Dodge. I was trying to get out of Dodge, but I said, nope, can't go there. So I took another road, Highway 78. It's about 35 miles an hour, but it was moving. The uh, I-26 was not moving. Got on, uh, when they got on 95 and just went on south of the border. Came back the next day and the place was torn up. It was torn up. I mean, it was like, it's like it was a war zone. I mean, I saw buildings crushed. I saw, finally, it took a week for me to get to my house because it was three big Three roads that you can come in my house. Each one of those roads had a big oak pine tree uh, laying across it that we couldn't get to our house. So it took us about a week for them to clear the road. Finally got there. My house survived. Uh, it's One tree, It I guess the tree hit it when it was falling and knocked the chimney off of the fireplace. But it was still there. Uh, the house down the street, the biggest house on our street had three trees fall on it and it was flattened. Um, but after Hugo, again, everybody came together. Everybody pulled together. Everybody worked together. I mean, everybody was neighbors. Everybody was helping everybody out. Cleaning the yards. Uh, you know, Carolina so we was burning the trash, burning the debris, everybody raking. We came together. You know, power was out, so trying to find ice, people was out looking for ice and then you know, trying to find gas. We had to go to another city to get some gas. Uh there was it was difficult, but people were together. Just like we were after 9/11. People came together. I mean, we pulled together. And we found out we can work together. And we found out that we actually have a lot of things in common when we talk to one another. Problem is, we don't talk to one another. Our churches became important because we needed a word from the preacher. We needed that encouragement. We needed from one another. You know, we was like, okay, we survived this. You know, now we got that. Go out and we was helping people. uh, Whenever we can, you know, as an electrician, yeah, there was a lot of people in need. So we got together and we couldn't work on our regular projects because buildings were destroyed or inhabitable. And so, but there were a lot of people who were, their services was either knocked down or completely torn off their houses. So We was out doing that, and, you know, even on the side, I was doing that, trying to help people get back in their homes and get the electricity back on so that when the uh, power company came that turned the power on, they had lights. So it was a lot, but we pulled together. We worked together. I mean, people helped one another. I mean, you didn't have to ask for a glass of water. They were coming off. Are, are you thirsty? Would you like a glass of water? Would you like some tea? You know, I mean, we over there working. They said, look, we got the grill going on. Y'all go get you some lunch, go get something to eat. That's the way we're supposed to be. That's the way we're supposed to be. Helping one another, not killing one another. Not destroying neighborhoods. And I and again. Before anybody get political, I know it's not the people in the neighborhoods. I know that there are people that are coming out of the neighborhoods. I know that there are, Again, I know that there are factions that this is what they do. Again, I've been listening to, educating myself for a long time. So I know that there are factions that are being paid to come in and start riots in neighborhoods and stuff. And I, again, I was talking to, I guess it was a pilot, and he was saying how one of his friends, I guess happened to be white, was wondering how much, why are we tearing up these neighborhoods? And he said, um, he had to tell them look, we don't own none of these neighborhoods. Y'all own these neighborhoods. We don't own none of this. And I began to think, but our elderly live here. Our people who are low income live here. So once these neighborhoods are destroyed, now they got to find somewhere else to go. And everybody can't get around. You know, you destroy the drugstore in the neighborhood, now they got to find another drugstore. It's not that easy for them. Or you destroy the grocery store for the poor in our neighborhoods, where are they going to go buy groceries? I mean, there's a lot that we need to think about. And, again, we please... Please, if we can, let's stop the killing. Let's stop the... If we can... I I don't know if... There's things I know that people don't want to stop. People people enjoy being violent. People enjoy destruction. They really do. They enjoy doing damage. They enjoy stealing. They enjoy... and, And again... Yes, is the times we're living in, you know, as in the Bible says, you know, people become more lovers of themselves and lovers of the flesh and pleasures of the flesh. You know, lovers more of pleasure than than of God, and people get joy in their wickedness; they get joy in their badness. But I do hope that we can start a dialogue where we can start to come there's a lot that needs to be said but the message is being drowned out because of so much violence and our voices are not being heard and like I said again from 9-11 we saw how people could come here and you know what there were people from every race every nationality every background in those world trade centers it wasn't just black it wasn't just white it wasn't just one ethnic ethnic group. There was people from all nationalities in the group. It's the World Trade Centers. Or at least they were. And there were people there from everywhere. So, again, I know this is not the topic I had planned. I mean this is not what I meant to talk about. uh, But this has been on my heart. again, there's just so much going on, so much unrest and I really wish that whoever hears this podcast understand that we got to get a dialogue, we got to come together we got to stop the violence, stop the killing you know these babies are being killed who don't get a chance to live, I mean people are taking pride in drive-by shootings or just Shooting into people's houses. We have to do better. We can do better. But we got to want to do better. And I hope that. Somewhere along the line. We're going to want to do better. And. Reclaim our neighborhoods. And again. I know you're renting. Some of us. We are renting. But you can still clean it up. If you've got a house, you know, you can clean up your yard, keep your yard clean. I mean, it, somebody always said it's not where you live, it's how you live. You can, you know, you used to see people all the time, you know, they used to drug, sell drugs up in New York, making money, living in the projects, but when you walk into the apartment, guess what, they look like so pristine. Now, I'm not saying in the hallways, but when you walked in, because... Again, it's not where you live; it's how you live. Yeah, again, I know there was. It's not what they were doing, but it's how you live. So, I mean, I mean, you can work your nine to five, and you can take care of your house. You know, if they allow you to paint and make it neat. I mean, we used to paint our house. My father put, you know, wallpaper on the wall, and we, we fixed it up before we left. And it's not where you live; it's how you live. And I hope we want to live better. This is Elder Marion Shepherd again. I thank you for listening to Shepherd's talk. I thank you for taking your time out of your busy day, and I hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast. And I hope if you would just again leave me a message, let me know what you think about it, likes, dislikes, uh, something else you want to hear me talk about. Again, next time we will be finishing up. Have a great day.